Hello, my fellow ortho enthusiasts, and welcome to the Seaview Ortho Podcast, where we cover everything orthopedics to get you back to quality living. I am your host, Layla Jabbar, and you are joining us for Episode 7. Now, I'd like you to just take a moment and picture these things. Peanut butter and jelly, pen and paper, needle and thread. And much like those things go together, so do orthopedics and radiology. Today, we are discussing the relationship different types of imaging, how radiology is used in orthopedic diagnosis, treatments, and so much more. On this episode, we are joined by our very own managing partner, Dr. Arthur Vazen. Dr. Vazen is an orthopedic surgeon at Seaview Ortho with specialized training and expertise in treating conditions of the hands, shoulders, and elbows. Not only is he one of the most modest people I've ever come across, but he is also well-respected, a visionary, and someone who was instrumental in the growth of Seaview over his tenure as managing partner. Our very special guest today is Dr. Benjamin Wang of Homedale Imaging. He is a diagnostic radiologist subspecialized in musculoskeletal imaging and intervention. Dr. Wang worked as a clinical assistant professor at the NYU School of Medicine, followed by a year as a staff radiologist at Pro Healthcare in New York, prior to joining our friends at Homedale Imaging in September of this year. I'd like to thank Dr. Wang for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you today. Thank you very much, Dr. Vazen. Appreciate the introduction. And after my long-winded introduction, let's begin. Dr. Wang, most commonly, what type of education does one need to be a radiologist? Uh, so typically, you know, radiologists, we go to med school, so that's four years. Um, and then uh, everybody has to do a one-year internship, either in internal medicine or surgery, uh, followed by a four-year diagnostic radiology residency. Um, and nowadays, most radiologists will choose to subspecialize. Um, and one of the choices is musculoskeletal imaging. Uh, but there's other choices like body imaging, breast imaging, nuclear medicine. And that usually involves uh, one year of dedicated training after completing your residency. Uh, so all in all, it ends up being six years of training after, after your uh, completing me medical school. And that specialty training, um, the musculoskeletal, is what would relate to orthopedic imaging, right? Yes, exactly. So the musculoskeletal uh, imaging and intervention fellowships will focus predominantly on orthopedic imaging uh, and any interve interventional procedures that might be associated with uh, orthopedic patients, uh, like arthrograms, joint injections, and uh, in some places, uh, like where I trained, we also trained uh, with doing spine procedures, so epidural uh, spine spinal nerve blocks, uh, et cetera. Excellent. And Dr. Vazen, what are some of the reasons that an orthopod would send a patient for radiology? Generally, we have plain x-ray in our office. So we'll take that, make sure the patient's taken care of expeditiously in the office for that. But for more advanced imaging, such as MRI, CAT scan, uh, bone scans, uh, and those sort of things, we'll send out to the expert radiologists. It's uh, a great ad a uh, great advantage to have somebody trained in musculoskeletal radiology because as with anything else, the more training you have for a specific area, usually the better you are at it. And we work closely. That's the one advantage of having Dr. Wang with us today is to work closely and collaboratively with the radiologist. So we see it from our point of view and they see it from their point of view. And then together we get it right. Vast majority of the time, I would say hundred percent of the time. That's excellent. I, I think of it very much like our doctors do their, you know, board certifications and that extra training to specialize in what they do. I, I guess, didn't really know that radiologists do that. So that is amazing to learn. 
Um, and at Home Dell Imaging from like orthopods, what are like the most ty common types of radiology that you would perform? Uh, so specifically to orthopedic imaging, uh, like Dr. Vazen already mentioned, uh, it, it's going to be largely your advanced uh, MRI type imaging. Um, but there's also, you know, mixed in with that um, uh, CAT scans, uh, as well as, you know, referrals for uh, plain radiographs. Um, although, like Dr. Vazen mentioned, a lot of times that's done in office at the orthopedic uh, offices. Uh, and so we're getting fewer of those overall um, in, in our offices. Uh, but MRI ends up being sort of the, the bulk of the uh, subspecialized orthopedic imaging, uh, things like MRIs of the shoulders, MRI of the knees, uh, and then you also have uh, arthrograms where we uh, inject contrast into the joints prior to doing our MRIs. Um, Interesting. Okay. And then um, how do we know what type of radiology is right for an orthopedic patient? So, you know, I, is it just everybody is getting an x-ray when they come in or is it like uh, special indicators that would say, hey, we're going to do an x-ray here, but then there's this indicator A that you need to go for this. Like what are the things that orthopods or radiologists are looking for to advance their radiology? In general, uh, if you're looking for bones, x-ray is the best way to go initially. It's the quickest, easiest, cheapest way to kind of identify fractures, even tumors, other abnormalities in the bone, arthritis, and that sort of thing. Once you want to look towards uh, more advanced looking at the bones, a CAT scan is actually better than an MRI is at looking at the bones. If you have a fracture that you're not sure of, you want really better detail, uh, CAT scan takes slices, so it can be put into a three-dimensional point of view, and so it's better to look at bones. When you look at soft tissue, which is the, everything not the bones, so the bones are the hard tissue and everything else is the soft tissue, uh, tendons, muscles, nerves, um, then MRI becomes better. Um, so it depends on what diagnosis you're looking to find, uh, whether or not you'll get an MRI, a CAT scan, and then a bone scan, which is a nuclear test, meaning that there's uh, uh, some material they inject into you, really helpful to look for in infections or uh, very mild or uh, very hard to find fractures um, or for other diagnostic purposes. But the bulk of it, as, as Dr. Wang said, has to do with MRIs, number one, because that's when we're looking for soft tissue problems, rotator cuff tears, uh, other ligament tears. Um, and then CAT scan secondarily, if it's more of a fracture that you really can't clearly delineate the, the, speci the specific uh, pieces of it, if you will. Now, this is a common question, I think, concern of some people. Um, Dr. Wang, I'll push this to you. If someone is claustrophobic and can't do an MRI or has a medical issue and is unable to do an MRI, um, what are the other options? Can they go for those other tests and get the same results for the orthopods or whomever is looking for the result? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, you know, for the patient who is claustrophobic and isn't able to uh, get an MRI for one reason or another, um, one option that is out there is to do a CT arthrogram. Um, which is uh, done, done with a CAT scan, um, and so doesn't require the strong magnets or the very, very small bore that an MRI has. Um, and like a MR arthrogram, we would inject contrast material into either the shoulder, or the hip, or the knee, uh, and that will allow us to see some of the, the soft tissue structures um, of that joint and sort of uh, you know make up for some of the, the lack of... Uh, visibility of the soft tissues uh, that we usually have with standard CTs. Um, and so that's one option. Uh, the other option, which is not as 
uh, available in the community as much, um, but people coming out of musculoskeletal imaging fellowships are starting to have is a diagnostic ultrasound um, for things like rotator cuff tears. Um, if you have a fellowship trained uh, musculoskeletal radiologist who's comfortable with uh, uh, MSK ultrasound, um, that's another option that, that um, an orthopedic surgeon might have um, to help uh, diagnose a rotator cuff tear. Um, so I think those are sort of the, the, the two possibilities um, if a patient's not able to get an MRI. And Dr. Vazen, do you, when you prescribe an MRI, do people like ever just flat out say, I can't do that? Do you ever get that? Uh, the two things, one is body habitus, where they can fit into the MRIs. It is a small bore. And the other is uh, claustrophobia. We do try to, uh, we can't even premedicate people, give them a little bit of a sedative beforehand, um, which sometimes does help. Uh, a lot of the MRI places are much better at having either music or headphones or, or aromatherapy or some other kind of modality to help people relax. It really is a, a times a mind over matter type thing. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to belittle anybody's anxiety, uh, but uh, if they can work their way through it, it's much more helpful. Um, and as uh, I'm old enough to remember before MRIs, which Dr. Wang <laughs> is not, <laughs> There was a time where we would just did CT arthrograms, as you alluded to, uh, to see rotator cuff tears or to other, even meniscal tears in the knee, they would do an arthrogram. Um, gladly, those days are fairly antiquated, <laughs> um, but uh, there are other ways to do some diagnoses, albeit not as good as the MRI. So really try to do the best we can to talk people through it, to make them relax, to overcome their anxiety about it. Absolutely. I think that a large population does face that anxiety, but it is the gold standard as it relates to specific radiology diagnoses. So I do understand that as well. Um, Dr. Vazen, why would an orthopedic surgeon send a patient for one type of radiology over another? So is it only diagnosis based or is it, are there any other factors that play into that? Uh, The main purpose to get the advanced radiology is for diagnosis. Um, Everyone in the world now wants an MRI at day one. They're not always indicated at day one. We try to kind of work it through and most orthopedists view an MRI as a pre-surgical test. Um, so if they failed non-operative treatment, being it possibly physical therapy, a cortisone injection or such, uh, that's the time to get the MRI. Uh, we don't want to willy-nilly get MRIs on everybody. Uh, it's really just not appropriate medical care. But at times you do get an MRI to rule something out, to make sure it's not something else. Um, and so it's really for diagnostic purposes. Uh, for us, we're real looking for something specific. We send it to the musculoskeletal radiologist because they look at more than just the musculoskeletal piece. And if we are getting an MRI of, let's say, the cervical spine, they may pick up a thyroid nodule. Or uh, they may pick up in the shoulder a lipoma or something else that we're not looking at. So having that collaboration is very key. Uh, at times, we're looking for one specific thing, and they will look more globally at the entire thing, at the entire image and the entire person. Not to mention the insurance, because we all know if you are trigger happy on the uh, MRI, the insurance is going to shut that down pretty fast. Insurance companies tend to rule the world right now. And (laughs) MRI is one thing that you do need pre-approval for. And if you have not had the appropriate uh, care prior to getting the MRI, they uh, may not pay for it. Uh, Some people are in a position they don't care and they'll pay for it out of pocket. I don't think that's really um, the best way to go. So I think it's much better if they... um, do the appropriate thing and go through the process and then get the MRI taken care of. 
Excellent. Yeah, I'm uh, dealing with that a little bit right now. My um, fiance thought he was going to be able to get his MRI and it was denied. And I said, listen, go for your six weeks of physical therapy. Maybe you will never even have to get the MRI, you know? We can keep our fingers crossed on that. I think just uh, elaborating. Yeah, absolutely, please. Mason already mentioned, I think it's uh, it's very important to, before getting an MRI, to have a good pretest probability and have a or, skilled orthopedic surgeon get a good evaluation because a lot of times the things you see on imaging, they can be nonspecific. Um, so without that, and, you know, suspicion, clinical suspicion that the orthopedic surgeon has um, as a radiologist, you're not always certain how to interpret something you're seeing on the images. Um, so again, getting back to that collaboration that we have with our orthopedic surgeons, you know, you know, oftentimes we'll see something on the imaging and we'll, you know, pick up the phone, uh, get on the phone with our, with our referring physicians and just speak with them saying, you know, what are you worried about? What's bothering the patient? Because that can greatly, you know, inform us on how we, uh, evaluate the, the, the findings on the imaging. Um, and, uh, also, you know, as a radiologist, like Dr. Vazen says, we're responsible for the whole image, um, whereas the orthopedic surgeon is very focused in on the, the you know, clinical uh, aspect of the patient care. So together, we can work together to, to make sure that the patient uh, is, is properly cared for. And what does that process usually look like, that collaboration? Like, okay, patient comes into orthopod, then what? Uh, the collaboration basically, that's uh, one of the reasons we picked certain radiology places to send patients is because we will send them to a, a, a um, radiology facility that will in a timely manner get us their reports back. So by the time we see the patient, we only have the, we have the films and we have the report. And this way we can look at what the radiologist saw and correlate that with what we see. Um, as Dr. Wang said, it, a lot of times they'll find something that either the patient's aged or other red herrings, if you will, or an area of abnormality, but that's not what they're complaining about. So we'll find that we'll call that incidental. Kind of just happens to be there. It's really not of clinical significance. You know, we care about it. We'll mention it, but it's not the important thing. Um, so we will at times, if we read something differently, we'll go back and call the radiologist and say, hey, we see a rotator cuff tear. You didn't mention it. Can you look again at image, you know, 16 or image 17? And we'll work back and forth and try to make sure that we both see the same thing. As with any picture, a picture's worth a thousand words, it can be interpreted a little bit differently. We both have our own little focus and hopefully come to a conclusion about what's there. Interesting. I wouldn't think that you would go into an orthopedic appointment like, hey, this hurts, but the orthopod would actually be telling you, actually, you have this, this, and this now. Yeah. You hope that doesn't happen. It but. does happen occasionally. <laughs> um, so like you said before, most orthopedic offices have x-ray in-house. I assume that's most orthopedic offices that you work with as well? Nowadays, so. that seems to be. Okay, so yeah. um, Dr. Vazen, are orthopods trained in interpreting simple x-rays? Is that part of your training as a you know, medical professional? Absolutely. We, we uh, are trained constantly during our training to look at plain films, MRI, CAT scans, all different kind of radiologic um, images. Uh, again, we tend to focus more on the orthopedic part of it. Again, when I'm looking at a cervical MRI, I'm not necessarily looking at the thyroid. You know, if I'm looking at a lumbar MRI, I'm not looking at the aorta. You know, so I tend to be kind of laser focused on what's germane to me, what's important to the orthopedist. So um, that's why it's important to also have a, a, a radiologist look at the films as well. We don't want to miss things. And so sometimes there's an incidental 
finding that's of clinical significance. You get your back does hurt, and all of a sudden you find out that your aorta is too big. And that's one of those silent things that you wouldn't know about, but may be very important. So you can find things that are sometimes not important, but you can also find things that are important. Definitely. And um, I'll just open this up to the both of you. Um, In terms of imaging, since we do imaging in office and also at imaging facilities, what are some concerns that patients express either when they're being sent for or receiving imaging? I'm talking about, you know, exposure, things like that. Uh, So I think from an imaging perspective, uh, if from with regards to MRI, I think the most common concern we get is uh, claustrophobia um, and being able to tolerate uh, the examination. Um, With other uh, modalities of imaging, specifically x-rays, CAT scans, um, you know, we do regularly get asked about radiation exposure. uh, And uh, obviously that's, you know, very uh, big on the news about radiation exposure from medical imaging and the possibility that it could be causing harm to our patients. Uh, And, uh, you know, something that, you know, we as radiologists... uh, like to educate the general population about these medical imaging is that all medical imaging has a risk. Um, and us as radiologists, one of our priorities is to make sure that we're only doing imaging that is medically uh, necessary. And uh, part of that, we rely on our referrings like Dr. Vazen to sort of be the moderators of that. Um, because if a patient needs the imaging, they need the imaging. And, you know, we weigh whether or not the risks of the radiation exposure uh, if the if the benefits outweigh the risk of that. Um, that being said, most uh, x-rays, you know, the amount of radiation the patients are actually being exposed to is, is very, very uh, low. Um, all things considered, like a typical chest, chest x-ray would be the equivalent of one week of background radiation that you might get just walking around on the street. So wow. I think educating the patients about that level of radiation exposure is helpful for, for the, their clinical decision-making. Um, obviously, that's different from other types of radiology exams. Uh, with CAT scans, where we're taking you know a lot of exposures, basically 360 degrees around the patient, then the radiation exposure is higher, uh, and therefore you have to be a little bit more judicious about uh, using those type of examinations. Um, so it all comes down to, I think, the uh, risk-benefit uh, ratios here. And um, how are patients kept safe during, you know, radiology? Is it uh, something that's physically covering them, or is it uh, something in the room? I'm totally ignorant to this, so you're going to have to educate me. <laughs> uh, so w- with regards to x-rays, uh, CAT scans, you know, uh, one of the big things is to make sure that you're only imaging the area that you're interested in, right? Uh, and that limits the exposure of radiation to that uh, part of the body. Uh, in general, for orthopedic imaging, you know, we have the benefit of, you know, most of the areas being imaged are the extremities. Uh, and therefore, most of the organs that might, uh, you know, we might worry about getting exposed to radiation are actually completely outside of where we're imaging. Um, and we could take additional precautions, uh, especially for our younger patients where we put lead shields over radiosensitive organs such as the thyroid, the ovaries, the testicles for men, um, so that we can further reduce the radiation exposure uh, to those areas. Um, Now, if 
those organs happen to be in the area that we're interested in, then uh, unfortunately the lead shield will get in the way. But um, I think th- those are all the types of precautions that um, we can take to make sure that, you know, we're reducing our doses to our patients. Um, with regards to MRI, there's no ionizing radiation from that. Um, there's no danger of radiation exposure to that. Um, you know, but it, the one thing about MRIs is that it's a very, very strong magnet. And so anything that might be metallic in the room could potentially uh, be a, uh, you know, a, a hazard. Um, and we do very, very extensive screening for all our patients before they enter the MRI uh, area we have wands that check for any metal that you know the patient may have forgotten like a keys in the pocket or anything like that uh, all patients have to change into a uh, a gown that is uh, basically provided by the imaging center so we make sure that you know uh, there won't be any stray metal in the clothing or anything like that so um, all you know taking that extra step in the beginning to make sure that you know uh, the patients are going to be safe uh, when they go into that mri machine so I assume if you have metal in the body, that's a big no-no for an MRI then. Uh, so I, I don't know, Dr. Vazen could probably speak to this, uh, but uh, that is for the most part untrue. Oh, um, look at that. Learn yeah. something new every day. <laughs> in general, if you're um, if it's something we put in, some type of really plate and screw, it's fine to get the image. Just if you're close to the area and trying to get an image, it'll scatter the image. So it's not going to come flying out of your body and go across the room, <laughs> okay, um, <that's> good. <laughs> which some people do think about. Uh, but you uh, then really, if you're trying to x-ray or MRI that area, if you had a plate and screw in your shoulder, now you're trying to look for a rotator cuff tear, um, it'll scatter the image. It won't be as good. So sometimes you can still do the MRI and get the information you need, but sometimes you can't. So I will expand on that question then, Dr. Raisin. If we do um, a surgery that involves screws, plates, whatever, and then for some reason we need imaging after the fact, what would they be sent for if an MRI might not catch the image that we want? More than likely, probably a CAT scan. Um, If we're looking at the bone, looking really at the area where the plate and screw was to see if the bone did heal or along those lines, it would more than likely be a CAT scan. Um, The biggest contraindication that we see with MRIs, and I leave this to Dr. Wang again, is patients with a pacemaker. Pacemaker is the biggest uh, contraindication uh, because the magnet affects the pacemaker, which affects their heart, which is a bigger problem than anything orthopedic. Yeah, I'd say so. And for those who don't know, could you just really quickly explain what a pacemaker is, does? A pacemaker is, uh, and I now get asked an orthopedist about a pacemaker. (laughs) Hey, I wasn't the one who brought it up. I didn't bring it up. (laughs) It is a device that they implant in your chest that has uh, leads that go to the heart that maintain the rhythm of the beating heart. Um, so if that is affected by the magnet and now does something kind of strange, the heart won't beat the same way and all the ANSEF won't get to the bones. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Gosh. <laughs> then, it, then it's a problem. So, so I can kind of expand on the uh, pacemaker issue. So, you know, it tr- in the past that the pacemaker has been uh, a big contraindication for MRI imaging, although more uh, modern pacemakers, um, any pacemaker that's been made in the last 10 years, um, are considered MR compatible. Um, and in those situations, uh, imaging is oftentimes done in more of a hospital setting, and they have specialized uh, cardiology teams uh, where uh, either a cardiologist or a, a, you know, a nurse practitioner under a cardiologist will uh, actually shut off the patient's uh, 
it's it's oftentimes a defibrillator device as well. So they'll turn off the, the defibrillator device during the examination. Um, and the main reason for that is they don't want the MRI, um, which is, uh, you know, in simplified terms, a lot of uh, magnets are changing the magnetic fields really quickly. It could accidentally trigger a defibrillator. And that's oh the God. main concern that we have with having, uh, you know, a defibrillator or a pacemaker in in an MRI scanner. Not so much that it will affect its function, but it would actually trigger its function uh, and cause a lot of discomfort for and the that's patient. Why, that's why you don't ask an orthopedist about a pacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're both very informative, but I assume that you would absolutely deem it 100% necessary for a pacemaker patient to even entertain an MRI then, because it sounds like quite the process. So it becomes more complicated. It requires, you know... Uh, uh, specific parties to be involved, but it's not a, it's not a, it's no longer a situation where if we need to get an MRI for a patient for an important medical reason that it's no longer available to these patients. Uh, so what's important for uh, patients who are interested in getting MRI with a pacemaker is to, um, if the patient has information about their pacemaker, um, that they can provide it to the imaging center uh, and our all of our technologists are trained to be able to look up all of these different pacemakers to see if they are considered one of these MR compatible devices. If they are, most of the time, you know, we'll get, they'll get referred to some sort of hospital facility to do the imaging where they have the services where someone can, you know, monitor the patient, turn off the pacemaker during the examination, and then turn it back on uh, before the patient leaves. Because oh, last thing you want to do is send a patient home without their their pacemaker on. Oh boy, yeah. that's an important one to turn back on. <laughs> so. And I did want to speak to also the uh, orthopedic hardware uh, for patients who have you know metallic orthopedic hardware um, with newer scanners, newer software. We now have different types of imaging sequences that allow us to see uh, the images a little clearer. They're, they tend to not get affected by the metallic hardware uh, so much. Um, but the important thing is to have someone who is trained in evaluating these images with hardware in place to look for um, some of the complications that you might see with some orthopedic hardware, but also to be able to uh, you know uh, better assess uh, the the patient. Um, so again, uh, uh, with patients with orthopedic hardware, it's no longer, you know, a contraindication or, 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 or anything for getting MRI. Um, but you will need to, you know, have a center that is experienced with imaging patient with orthopedic hardware and also interpreting the images uh, with patients uh, with orthopedic hardware. So that's another thing I want to add in there. No, I mean, it's very applicable to what we do every day. Um, taking a tiny, tiny step back, um, Dr. Vazen, when reading an MRI or receiving an MRI and the report, what are some things that you would be looking for? I know it's specific to like the injury or the condition, um, but what are some things on an MRI that you would be looking for in that report or in that image? The, the most important part to, for us is that the patient bring the image with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that is by far number one, number two, and number three. Um, we, we value the opinion of our radiology colleagues but there's nothing like looking at it yourself. And if we are thinking about any type of surgery, to us, it's a roadmap. So although the radiologist may use descriptive terms, they may be a little bit different than what we need or want. So number one is get the images. Number two is having the report. Again, as I said before, having the report gives you a little bit of different insight if there's anything else going on and going from there. And then number three, the spe specific things we look for Again, we'll start the shoulder, more of a rotator cuff tear. Um, sometimes you'll look for a labral tear. 
which is the um, uh, kind of the, the meniscus or the cartilage of the shoulder. I tell people it's like, Kat, what makes a dish different than a saucer? That little lip around the uh, dish that holds the cup in it. Uh, and so you can look for that. Around the elbow, you look for generally ligament tears or muscle tears. Um, and then around the hand and the wrist, there's another piece of cartilage we call a TFCC that we look for a tear. So we're looking for tears in cartilage, ligaments, uh, things that you cannot see on a plain x-ray. Uh, so it depends which level you're looking at. But in general, those are the big ones. Okay. And then I assume get, home dental imaging will just use you guys because it makes sense. I know every imaging center is different. How would you send that imaging? Is it usually like that you give it to the patients to bring back to the orthopedic? Or do you usually have those relationships where you're sending it directly? How does that usually work? I know our relationship with home dental imaging is great and we just get things, you know, seamlessly. But how does that usually work for patients? So I think, uh, you know, we're still a little bit outdated in most radiology practices and how this is done. But the most common way is... Uh, after a patient comes in for an MRI, uh, on the way out the door, we'll burn a CD for the patient that they can then physically bring with them um, to to their orthopedic surgeon's uh, office or you know their their uh, internal medicine doctor's office. Um, so it's still we're still relying on uh, That's the preferred method, though, isn't it for the orthopedics or no? Do you guys want them to bring it on a CD? Usually, that's what the we want a CD. Yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> technology being what it is. At times, when we have a link with the with the uh, facility. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't work. And there's nothing like having it in hand. Right. I, I think the patients prefer it as well because we download it, and they can keep their CD. And their sometimes they'll go home party. and show their friends. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, look at this awesome! You know, well, they'll still have a copy of it, and you should have a copy of medical records, and they may want a second opinion or to go bring it to somebody else. And if they have it in their hand, they can do that. I mean, people should maintain their own medical records and, and kind of have it on hand. Okay. Um, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but in terms of radiology and, you know, you've been in practice for like a decent amount of time to see this. And I know you're relatively new to the practice. I mean, to the radiology world, but still been in it long enough in the last 10 years. Um, what, major advances have we seen in radiology and do we see that going anywhere further in the next time? I'll give it yeah. to you. So I can speak to this. So I would say in the last 10 years, um, sort of a lot of the advances that we've seen are in areas of improved uh, imaging technology, uh, improved detectors that allow us to image at higher resolutions with better image quality, uh, higher uh, strength magnets on our uh, MRIs. So again, so we can get better quality images. Um, and also, uh, in terms of x-rays and CTs, acquiring the same quality images with decreased radiation exposure. Um, I think going forward, while we will continue to make advances in those specific areas, um, I think a lot of the future developments are going to be in areas of um, more AI-based technologies, uh, either tools to help a radiologist or an orthopedic surgeon detect the abnormalities on the imaging, um, but also using uh, AI and advanced uh, imaging processing techniques to uh, speed up our, our imaging. Um, one of the big barriers to widespread use of MRI and why it costs so much is that uh, a typical MRI takes a long time to acquire. So unlike an X-ray or CT, which is acquired in seconds, an MRI 
used to take, you know, anywhere from 15 to 30 to 45 minutes, depending on the examination. Um, but with, uh, you know, advanced AI tools, like at NYU, where I used to work, uh, one of the areas of research was to use AI to greatly speed up MRI acquisition. Uh, and with some of the MRI tools that we've been doing research in, uh, we were able to get knee MRIs down to one and a half minutes. Wow. Um, without and, and the studies have shown it without uh, missing uh, pathology such as meniscal tears, uh, uh, ligament tears. Uh, and then in a subjective evaluation, a lot of radiologists actually preferred the AI-based accelerated imaging over uh, the traditional uh, imaging uh, techniques. So, you know, part of part of this, the, the goals of these sort of advanced AI tools um, would be to br get the MRI down to a level where it can be essentially used as a screening exam, the way that the orthopedic surgeon looks at the x-ray uh, as a, you know, a walk-in examination is to be able to achieve the same thing with MRI, uh, where, you know, 18-year-old comes in, sports injury, we don't have to worry about doing six weeks of PT, you know, just put them in the MRI, get a quick uh, uh, MRI screening, see if the ACL is torn, see if they have a meniscus tear, uh, and then they can they can uh, get treated properly um, without having to go through the, jump through the hoops. That's amazing. The coolest thing I've seen lately is the 3D reconstructions. The CASCAN 3D, they make it in 3D, so you can actually spin the bone around, take a look at it, see which pieces are off, and gives you almost a real life visualization of it. So from my perspective, that's the the footprint and the map to the surgery. So I can have something in my mind's eye about what I need to do intraoperatively. So that's been in the last 10 years, the coolest thing to me is you can see these things in three dimensions and really get a better feel. Sometimes when a plain x-ray, it's a three-dimensional object on a two-dimensional film. So you really can't see the overlap as much or you can't get as much detail. But you put the three-dimensional quality into it, and you can really tell where things are, and uh, you have a much better visualization and much better plan going into surgery. So that 3D image would be, like, downloaded to a computer, and you would play with it. Like, you'd be able to, to look at different parts of it. It's kind of like VR. Yeah, wow. it's, it's really kind of cool. That is interesting. And it's funny, when you talk about the AI, I think a lot about uh, the orthopedic advancements are kind of in that same realm. So it seems like medicine is moving towards robotics. The whole <laughs> world yeah. is becoming obsolete. <laughs> Don't say that now. All that school? Come on. <laughs> um, okay, this is just a question I have because I'm interested in it. Radiology seems to be one of those things that is... Um, a very popular thing to study. And, you know, I'm hearing more of it being an attractive field because there are some work-life balance items. Are there a lot of work from home opportunities now? What is the draw towards radiology? So in terms of work from home, you know, radiology is uniquely set up to be, you know, to allow for working from working remotely. Um, all you need is a, you know, powerful computer, fast internet connection and, you, in theory, can be doing part of your job uh, from home. Um, I think the pandemic really sort of uh, accelerated the transition to uh, work from home. Prior to that, you know, there were scattered work from home opportunities, remote work. Um, but most those were mostly sort of uh, night hawk sort of setups where radiology practice um would hire radiologists who are, you know, in other time zones to read their overnight studies. Wow. Um, but after the pandemic, um, 
you know, when everything shut down, um, a lot of practices sort of had situations where people were working from home, you know, two, three days a week. Um, and coming out of the pandemic, you know, a lot of people are more and more looking for these positions um, where they don't need to come into the imaging center. They don't have to come into the hospital. Um, and uh, so there is that sort of expectation from, from, from people in radiology that this will continue. You know, that being said, there's a lot of things that we do that require us or it will be great, greatly beneficial for us to be on site. Um, you know, at Homedale Imaging, one of our, our main, uh, the main things that we do is women's imaging um, with mammograms, screening mammograms, diagnostic ultrasounds, and also image-guided biopsies. So there's no way for us to do a biopsy <laughs> if we're... Say. Not if we're not on site, at least not yet. Um, and then, you know, when when we're on site, like if there's any technical issues with the images, um, you know, our technologists are sort of, uh, you know, in the front lines doing all the imaging. But, you know, oftentimes there's either technical issues that they need us to help troubleshoot uh, or they're, they see something on the images and they, they need us to take a look and give them some advice. You know, those sort of interactions and those sort of uh, that, that sort of associations better to be in person, you know, um, and so I think it's still important for for radiologists to be on site and be there, um, you know. And when we're in the hospitals, for in terms of working with our referrings, you know, it, it's very different um, for you know our surgeons to to just be able to come into the reading room and just have a look at an image together with us on the same monitor. And that's a very different experience than then calling someone on the phone and being like, do you see this? And like, uh, which image, uh, you know, and, and we, it, you, you can't, you don't get that same, you don't get that same collaboration, that same sort of feel when you're, when you're doing things over the phone. Um, and that's coming from someone who's, you know, recently graduated you know, <laughs> and very, very comfortable with technology. So, yeah, you know. no, I'm sorry. You're not going work from home anytime soon. I don't no, see no, that no, ever no, happening. No. <laughs> well, that is all the time we have today. Um, thank you to our guests for this episode. Dr. Vazin, the managing partner at CV Orthopedics. Uh, you can schedule an appointment online anytime with Dr. Vazin at CVOrtho.com. Thank you to Dr. Benjamin Wang of Homedale Imaging. Look out for their new Women's Imaging Center in the new year. For more information about their facility, services, or to request an appointment, please visit homedaleimaging.com. As always, thank you to the listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Seaview Ortho Podcast and share with other ortho enthusiasts. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Seaview Ortho and like us on Facebook for updates on upcoming episodes. Get up. Get moving and get back to quality living with CV Orthopedics.